Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Amen. I got excited. I just, I just want to jump up and say, yes, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can make noise in church. When my wife was, when we were in, oh, where were we? In Montgomery, Alabama. We've been moving all over. When we were in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, our, our sister, we had a, uh, my wife had a sister-in-law who just came from Texas out of the blue to visit us. And we weren't really close to her. I mean, she was just, she was, uh, she was kind of like a little wacky. We all, in the family, we all thought she was a little wacky. And she, she came to Montgomery, Alabama to visit us. It's like, why are you coming to Alabama to visit us? So she, while she was there, she says, you know, I go to this church, and in this church we're practicing this thing called evangelism explosion. And uh, I'm, I'm in the program, and you know what, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, I'd like to just practice on you, you know, and, and see if I could do it. And because uh, she was just trying to get us saved. And we were, we were terrible. I mean, we were like, my wife, my wife says, I was, I was terrible. It's like, heaven, you really believe in heaven? I mean, I was a total agnostic. And uh, so anyway, while we were there, she brought my wife to a, a, a prayer meeting. And, my, and it really changed, it affected her because she said these, these were professional people. You know, like doctors and teachers and business people. And they were all talking about God like they knew him and he was real. And it really touched her. But she said, but we can't, we can't. So we're leaving here in just a short time. And the, the person at the Bible says, so where are you going? So well, we're going down to Fort Walton Beach, Florida. She said, oh, this is a great church down there. You need to go. So it turned out to be an Episcopal, uh, was an Episcopal church. But I said all that to make a long story longer. <clears throat> but... When we, the first time I went with my wife to that Episcopal church, I mean, I, I was raised Roman Catholic. I mean, when you come to church, you come in, you sit down, and you're quiet. You don't talk. And if you, if you move, your father reaches over and pinches you on the leg, you know, just gives you a real good pinch just to keep you from screaming. But So to me, that was church. And so we came in, we sat down, and just freaked me out. Because this person in front stands up, turns around, oh, good morning, starts talking to us. Good morning, how you doing? Welcome. And it's like, it's, I felt like this is church. Sit down, you know. You get, but anyway, I'm glad to. Why am I saying all this? I don't know. I got a short message. I got to make it longer. Anyway, good to see everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just love, I just bless you this morning. I'm so glad that you, that you came into our lives, Lord, that you saved us. We worship you. We, we live for you every day of our lives. We want to be the people you called us to be in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we start, uh, don't forget the last Sunday of uh, April. April 24th, Jim, Pastor Jim Jorgensen is going to be here. You got to come. You, you, you got you to love this. 
Pastor Jim is a great guy, a strong prophetic ministry, so come and be blessed. We're going to have a really great time. He's going to be here morning and night on the 24th of April. Praise God. All right, open your Bibles with me this morning. I will just, I won't be that long. Uh, Luke's Gospel, Chapter 5. Luke 5 and verse 1. Now it happened while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of, excuse me, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When, they had fin- when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at, your, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. And their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And when they came and filled both of the, both of the boats, and they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, "Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man." For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of the fish that they had taken. When Peter first encounters, encounters Jesus. Uh, he becomes very aware of his sinfulness. Now, Peter, was, Peter wasn't a, uh, a criminal. He wasn't a, uh, some kind of a pervert, degenerate. He was an ordinary guy. And yet, when he gets in the presence of Jesus, there's something about Jesus that makes he's such he's so holy without saying anything. Just being in his presence convicts you of your sin. And here's Peter's. Peter's a regular Jewish guy, living for probably living for God the best he can, and yet he's convicted of his sin. You know, when, when you come into the presence of God, He's so holy, He's so righteous. You can't help but feel something is not right with me, and he he sensed that. He said, "Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man." But in in the next verse, he says. Well, there's James and John and the sons of Zebedee. And Simon said to Peter, do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Left everything and followed him. They had two boatloads full of fish. So much so, they were getting ready to sink. I guess they just left him and walked away because it says they left everything and followed him. Nothing was, nothing was more important than following God, following Jesus. And they were willing to leave it all to follow him. In Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. 
God called him. All God says was, follow me. God said to, to Peter, follow me. God said to, to Matthew, follow me. That's what God does. God, God extends an invitation to us. Like it says in, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Jesus said, I, he stands at the door and knocks. The Bible says. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, so he doesn't just knock, he speaks. He stands at the door and knocks, and he says, if anyone hears my voice. So God stands at the door and he knocks and he calls us. But it's up to us to open the door. He, he gives an invitation, but we have to open our hearts to him. We have to let him in and say, he says, if anyone opens the door, I will come in and dine and sup with him and he with me. God wants to, be, God wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to be one with him. But we have to respond to his call to follow him. It's an invitation he makes to every one of us. In Matthew 16 and verse 24, it said, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And, and not everyone, but not everyone does that. The apostles did. But we know of one instance where God said to someone, follow me, and he didn't. He wouldn't go. And that's the rich young ruler. Remember, this young man had lots of money. He comes to Jesus and he says, what do I do? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, which ones? He said, you know, he lifted two or three. You shall not commit murder, you shall adultery, you honor your mother and your father. He said, I'm doing all that. What, what else do I lack? And Jesus said, what you sell all you have, give to the poor, and, and come and follow me. He was calling him. And I, I'm not, I may be wrong, but I've, I've often wondered if that was, he wasn't called also to be an apostle. Because all the ones that Jesus said, follow me, they became, they became apostles. But this man couldn't do it. He couldn't give it all up and follow Jesus. That's something we have to be willing to do. Whatever God calls us to do, we have to follow him, no matter what the cost. So Peter is following, Peter, James, and John, all the disciples, they're following Jesus. And fast forward now, uh, Fast forward three years, and go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Fast. Matthew chapter 26. In this, it's been it's been quite a uh, quite a ride for Peter in the last three years. Peter's been following Jesus. He's seen multiplied numbers of people healed. He's seen blind eyes open. He's seen deaf ears. He's seen lepers healed. He's seen people raised from the dead. He's seen thousands and thousands of people fed miraculously with just a little bit of, of bread and fish. He, he heard the voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. He, wa he walked on the water. He's the only apostle that walked on the He walked on the water. He's, it's, been a real, it's been a real trip for three years. And after... Oops, excuse me. And then in Matthew chapter 26, uh, it's the, 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 the Last Supper. After the Last Supper, they go, uh, Jesus says this to Peter. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away from me. After the Last Supper, Jesus says this to his disciples. You will all fall away from me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. 
Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that this very night, before rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Jesus tells Peter, you're going to fall away from me. Peter's very adamant. No way, not me. Not, not, everybody else might be, but not me. I'm ready, I'm ready to die with you. And shortly after that, they come and arrest Jesus. They bring him before the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish rulers. And, uh, and things start getting pretty ugly. They start, after they question him, they start beating him. They start slapping him. And later on in that same chapter, in, in verse 67, it says, Then they spat on his face, and they beat him with their fists, and others slapped him. And they said, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before him, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. When he'd gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this man was with Jesus the Nazarene, and he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. He began to curse and swear. I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus said, before rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. After being so assertive, after being so uh, sure, I will never do it. He turns and this, I can almost see him watching, watching what's going on with Jesus. And the, the questions got angrier. Everyone got madder and madder. And they start beating him. They start mistreating him, really and, and, and this fear rose up inside of him. If I, if I say I'm with him, it's good. they're going to come and get me. They're going to they're start to abuse me. So this fear, just he denied it three times. First, he says he denied it. Second, he said he denied it with an oath. Then and thirdly, it says he began to curse and swear. It's not me. And a rooster crowed. And what happened? It says Peter went out and wept bitterly. Came under tremendous shame and condemnation. I wonder if anyone here can relate to that. Uh, sometimes we tell God, we're going we're gonna to do something, we're going to change something in our life. God, I'll never do that again, whatever that is. We have a weakness, we have something that we're battling. And we tell God, we, we gain victory over it once, maybe we tell God we'll never do it again. And then we do it again. Remember the original encounter? In Luke chapter 5, when they left everything and followed him. I wonder how many of us are like that. When we first encountered Jesus, we told him we'd, we'd do anything for him. We'd go anywhere for him. We'd give up everything for him. I know I did. It sounds maybe corny, but I can remember the day I was kneeling by my bed, crying like a baby. I was newly saved. God had called me into the ministry. And I was just weeping, and I said, God, I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. I'll do anything you, you, do, you want me to do. I'll give it all up for you, Lord. And I was praying and crying and crying and praying and, giving, and telling God I'd never, I'd, never, I'd never backslid. I'd never change. I'd give it all up for him, and I think I have. But not everyone does. But a lot of times we tell that to God, and we mean it. And for a few years, we follow him faithfully. But see what it says in Matthew chapter 20, in that same chapter? 
in verse in verse 57 it says those who had seized Jesus led him away to the to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders were gathered but Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest and entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome Peter followed him closely for years but now when things weren't going so well he's following at a distance He's not as close as he used to be. How many people today followed him closely at first? You know, when you first saved, you were on fire for God. You prayed, you worshipped, you felt his presence, you were in church every week. I mean, you, you, you were just really walking with God. But the years over the years, what happens so many times over the years, things get eroded a little bit. You know, we, we kind of lose the, the zeal. We lose some of the, some of the fire. I heard someone one time say this years ago, it's, it's the nature of fire to burn itself out. You have to keep, if you don't keep adding logs to the fire, the fire kind of wanes. And that's what happens in the lives of so many people. We've seen it over the years, my wife and I. People that start off real good with, with the Lord. But then after a few years, you know, they don't come to church quite as often as they used to. And then the next thing you know, they kind of drop out. And you, you try to get them to come back. And they're, they're not into any gross sin. They're just kind of, they're just kind of falling away. And it happens. We have to. We have to make it. We have to be determined to follow God every day of our life. So what happens is we drift away. We're not. We're not as on fire as we used to be. We're not in church like we used to be. We're not praying like we used to. We're still following Him, but more at a. You might say at a distance. And some things we thought we'd never do again. Some of the. Some of the old ways are just starting to creep back a little bit. You know, the, the old habits have begun to to resurface. There's a, current, there's a current in the world. And if we don't follow God, it begins to pull on us. You know, to me, it's like, you know, you, if you don't keep your car in gear, you slap it into neutral, you, you're still going, but eventually you start slowing down. And that's what happens if when we, when we don't stay on fire for God, things start to creep back in. You still, people still love God. They're not, they're not to grow sin, but, but they've slipped a little. And the enemy comes in. And what happens is the enemy comes in and begins to, con- <clears throat> begins to condemn you. And say, you know, you can't go back to church now. You've, you've stayed away too long. Come back. See, I feel like this is what God is saying today. Tell, tell those who have kind of slipped, who have drifted away some. Tell them I love them. Tell them I've not rejected them. I want to restore them. I want to have fellowship with them again. I'm not mad at them. I miss them. I want them to come back. I can only imagine how Peter felt. Not just that night, but every hour of every day, just being pounded by the devil, remembering how he'd failed, the shame, the guilt, and the condemnation. That's what the devil does to us. He reminds us of some things that we said and throws them up in our face. You said last year you were going to draw closer to God and you know, you're no longer you know, closer to God than you were then. Or you said you were going to be faithful to go to church and you miss, you're missing more now than you did then. You, know, you said you're going to stop filling the blank. You said you're going to stop drinking. You're going to stop gambling. You're going to stop spending so much time on social media or watching TV or whatever. You know, we make promises to God <coughs> and we're well-intentioned. You know, when people make promises to God, you know, it's what they want. It's really it's what, their, what their heart wants. But then, the, but then things, we get busy and uh, everything else seems to get in the way. 
in John chapter 21. In John 21, verse 2, it says, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll come, we'll come with you. They went, they went and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Simon Peter probably figures, I said, I'm done. I'm never going to be an apostle again. I just go back to what, to what I was doing. So I'm going fishing, and the others went with him. But it says in verse, let's keep reading. Verse 4. When the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. So they cast and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea and came to Jesus. When I read that, I figured, you know what Jesus did? What was the, what was the, first, what was the first miracle that Peter saw Jesus do? Remember, he's, he got in his boat. He said, let down the net, and they caught, they caught fish. So what he did, he, it's like he took them back. It's like Yogi says, it was deja vu all over again. He basically kind of ran the same scenario to say to Peter, look, I'll, we started off by you catching fish. Let some catch some fish and start again. I think it's what he, he, he did the same thing because he wanted, to, he wanted him to start again. And Peter, and he restores Peter. He meets with him. He meets with his, with his, with his apostles. And he says to Peter, do you love me? Three times. He asked Peter if he loves him. And Peter says, yes. So he cancels the three denials by the three affirmations of love. So you may think, some people think their walk with the Lord is over. It's never over. God is a restorer. God is a God, is a God who gives second chances. And I think of so many people in the Bible, and myself as well, we always need a second chance somewhere along the line. You know, I think of Jonah. Jonah ran from God. God had a fish swallow him. And instead of just rejecting him, he said, no, I'm going to have the, I'm gonna have the fish spit him out. And in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1, the scripture says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So we're going to start. We're going to do this again, Jonah. I'm going I'm to restore you. I'm going to use you, but you're going to be a different man because of it. You know, I, I, there's so many, David and Bathsheba. David, David committed adultery and murder had, and conspired to murder her husband. And he, he, God didn't say, that's it, you're not qualified. I don't want you anymore. No, he brought Nathan the prophet to him, convicted him of his sin, forgave him, and restored him and kept him as king. 
in the, in the story of the prodigal son. He, he, he totally backslidden. He, he walked away from his father, who's a type of God. Walked away from the father, went totally back into the world, living in, living, committing all kinds of sin. And when he came back, when he, when he came back to the father, what, what did the father do? He didn't berate them. He didn't chastise him. He didn't throw all his mistakes up in his face. The, father, the Bible says the father ran to him. He, he didn't even wait for him to come home. He ran to him, embraced him, and, 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 and blessed him. And that's what God wants for people who have who've kind of drifted away. They've, made, slipped out, they've slipped away from God a ways. God says, come back. I'll, 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 if you do, I'm going to run towards you. I'll restore you. I'll, 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 you'll feel my presence again. You'll know that I love you. I still want you. Come back, come back, come back to me. I love you. I miss you. God, God is a God of second chances. No, that doesn't mean we can live flippantly. I, tell, I've said, I say this so many times, but I have to say it because I know how the devil operates. He tells people it's okay to, to live uh, in sin, that God will just forgive them. You know, God never, the love of God, the restoration of God, the goodness of God is never a license to commit sin. God wants us to live a holy and a righteous lifestyle. But if we miss it, God is ready, willing to forgive us if we repent and draw us back into his presence. So I just feel like, I feel like God is saying to some people today, come back, come back, Re rededicate your life. I, I miss you. I want to spend time with you. I love you. I'm not mad at you. Come back. Come back to me and have fellowship with me again because he's a God of second chances. In John, in John chapter 21 and verse 19, he was showing Peter what kind of a death he would, he would die. But in the, in the second half of that verse, it says, and when he had spoken this, he said to him, he said to Peter, what did he say? Follow me. He said it again, follow me. I'm calling you again. I'm gonna, and that same Peter, that same Peter that denied Jesus, that same Peter that felt that God didn't felt that God didn't want him. He on the day of Pentecost, he stood up and he preached, and three thousand people got saved. In Acts chapter five, it said, when Peter walked, his shadow when it passed on people, people would get healed. God used Peter to bring the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter ten at Cornelius's house. And he used him to write scripture. So he restored him totally to his apostleship. He became one of the chief followers of the Lord Jesus. In our, in, in our own lives, we may, we may have never denied him with our mouths, but we've walked, we've kind of drifted away from him. And when that happens, sometimes, uh, figuratively you might say, a rooster crows. And the condemnation hits us. Tells God, the devil tells us, you're nothing but a hypocrite and a failure. But God is calling you. You don't have to live with the crowing of the rooster. There's a resurrected Lord who's calling you to start over again. Come on, he said, I'm going to give you another chance. Come and walk with me. All some people have needed is an opportunity to recommit. You know this is what you want. Don't put it off any longer. Come back to him. He's drawing you. He still has a plan for your life. He loves you. He forgives you. Come on, jump back in because he's saying once again, 
follow me in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you're a God of second chances, that you restore the backslider, Lord. You restore the one that's drifted away from you. You restore the one that's, that's not as on fire as they used to be, not as committed, that you're speaking to them today saying, I love you. It's the goodness of God, the Bible says, that leads us to repentance. You're not condemning. You're not condoning, but you're not condemning. You're, you're drawing like you were standing at the door knocking once again, saying, open up and let me come in and dine with me and I'll sup with you. Thank you, Lord, for restoring people to you, for forgiving them, for bringing them back and using them and to fulfill their destiny. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your love and your goodness, for your mercy and your grace toward us, Lord, who are, who are faulty, who are frail, who miss it, but you never reject us. You love us and restore us to you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it this morning. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.